0: raider nation it's that time of the week again subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black
1: but yes the las vegas raiders have their guy josh mcdaniels
0: looking for objective opinions and interviews with a-list guests
1: just pod baby congrats on 100 episodes i'm happy for you guys keep doing your thing and thanks for having me man it was a blast
0: look no further you are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Groat.
2: Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome back and glad to have you with me. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, brought to you by sportsnot.com. I'm Evan Grote. I've got a brand new episode on tap for you here after a couple of weeks off for me. But this one, this week, I had to get something out for you. It's one of my favorite weeks of the offseason. We're talking about the NFL Scouting Combine, which kicked off this week in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And it's a very, very important part of the draft process, of the evaluation process for general managers, head coaches, and front offices across the league, including Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels for your Las Vegas Raiders. Now, speaking of Dave Ziegler, uh, Ziegler, I'm sorry, uh, and and uh, Josh McDaniels, they did speak with the media on Wednesday, and I and I do have some of that audio for you. We didn't learn a whole lot, but there are a couple of uh, questions that were asked, topics that were discussed that I would like to get uh, into. So we, we will do that in, in just a moment here. But the plan for the show is to spend the majority of our time. Talking about uh, the scouting combine and and discussing uh, some of the needs that the Raiders have heading into this uh, free agency period, which is set to begin on uh, March 16th. We're also going to be joined by our guest this week, Anthony Tresh. Uh, In segment two, he'll be joining us. And Anthony is the lead college football analyst at Pro Football Focus. He's going to be joining us from Indy. Uh, He's all over it with his coverage. He does a great job uh, for Pro Football Focus. And I encourage you to go out and give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, That's at PFF underscore Anthony. Okay, now that the table has been set, let's dive into it. I do want to start out with a. some news from the past week there was an addition made uh to the roster they they signed a free agent defensive tackle Andrew Billings. Um, Billings is a uh, came into the league in 2016 fourth round selection uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals and I remember um, during that draft season uh you know doing some, reading up and, and some you know as I was looking through all the prospects but I do recall studying Andrew Billings he's a big strong man uh your your prototypical run stuffer he going back to his uh, high school days he had some power lifting records and so um, he he's a really powerful man and he had a couple of productive years with the Bengals 53 games 37 starts 81 tackles uh, and three and a half sacks, but he left the Bengals following the 2019 season to sign with the Cleveland Browns and then COVID hit and he opted out of the 2020 season and uh, did come back with the Browns this past season in 2021, but played in only in only six games. And I think uh, from what I've been reading and some of the digging that I did is part of the problem for him is he came back to the team um, and not, not in very good shape Put some weight on in the year that he was away from the game, and I think that um, is is what has led to some of his uh, recent issues uh, with the Browns. He was cut by the Browns, and he bounced around with with Miami and Kansas City on their practice squads, and eventually uh, found himself a free agent. And, and you know that's when the Raiders picked him up. But you know I I think the the thought process here is that this new coaching staff hopes that they can. Uh, reignite Billings, um, he needs to get himself back in shape, and he needs to dedicate himself uh, to the game. He's only 26 years old, and and, and if you um, follow uh, a good friend of our show, Mo Moten, you know, he has done some pieces for sportsnot.com where he took a look at Patrick Graham and some of the things that you might want to start looking for um, as far as uh, body types that he likes and he and mo has pointed out on twitter also that that graham um, has had a track record of of liking his defensive tackles uh to be larger men upwards of 300 pounds in fact so if you look at it from that perspective the signing of andrew billings fits that trend Uh, so that was the first topic that i wanted to get to here at the top topic number two is of course, I want to discuss some of the comments that were made from Dave uh, uh, Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels from the Scouting Combine on Wednesday. And as I said earlier, you know, we didn't learn a whole lot from the conversations. We never do this time of year, but there were a couple subjects, a couple questions that I was interested in. Uh, and the first question was about the fifth year options. We know that's coming up, that decision is coming up here in the next couple of months. And I've given you my thoughts. On, on the three guys who, who you know, will be up for their options: uh, Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, and, and Josh Jacobs. I don't, I, I stand by, you know, I, I haven't changed my thought process as far as Cleveland Farrell and, and Jonathan Abram are concerned. I don't think Farrell has his exercise in any shape or form. Uh, I think that will go down as one of the worst draft picks in, in the history history of Raiders football. Um, nothing personal against Farrell. Wasn't his fault where he was selected but um and then and then Jonathan Abram, you know, for what he brings to the table. Uh I just don't know if if his skill set justifies, you know, the salary that he would uh demand as as you know, on that fifth year option. I love his passion. I love the energy that he brings to the field and I and I really wanted him to be great badly when they when they selected him, but he just, you know, a, a having had the chance to watch him now for the past couple of years, he he isn't versatile enough. He's just not versatile enough. His game is not well-rounded enough. He has struggled in coverage. He has struggled uh, to stay healthy. And he really only offers one positive aspect to the game, and that's when he's playing close to the line uh, as that ha- hybrid safety linebacker. So I don't expect to see those two uh, around pass this this season in 2022 and then that leaves Josh Jacobs which I believe is a really intriguing discussion because we've all seen that he has the talent the talent is not the question with Jacobs he, he has shown glimpses of being a really good running back in this league and he had a really strong finish to the to this past season he really helped get them into the playoffs he really helped that offense uh, especially when the passing game was struggling um but and you know I took a look at the the number here according to overthecap.com the fifth year extension uh, for Josh Jacobs would be 10.1 million. And you know that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a running back who is who is good, but he's not great. He's not a great back. And he's had some injury concerns as a young player. So keep that in mind. You know, he's only 24 years old. He's a young guy and he has shown that he can't stay healthy as a young guy. So what do you think he's going to be like ages 25, 26, 27? You know, it it could, things could only, may only get worse. And then I think the other factor that I I believe Raider Nation needs to consider is with this new regime in in town, as far as, uh, you know, uh, general manager and, and head coach is do they value having a workhorse running back as much as John Gruden did? And I think the answer to that question is no. I think what we have seen from the Patriots is that they, uh, you know, over the years they like to operate or they're comfortable operating with more of a running back by committee approach. You know, hot hand or game plan specific. That is what we have seen from Josh McDaniels, you know, at the helm calling that offense. Um, so I think, you know, I, I do think Jacobs is the safest bet, um, but I don't think it's it's guaranteed by any means. Um, I do want to play some of the audio for you uh, from Josh McDaniels. Let's take a listen to that now when he was asked about Josh Jacobs. Excited
0: to have an opportunity to coach this guy, um, you know. It's funny because when you do all the work you do on all the players in the draft, and then you only get to have five or six of them on your team, um, you know the work that you've put in on all the other guys is not all lost when you have an opportunity like this. And then you you come to a new organization with a handful of those guys that you've done and worked on, and really you know been fond of as you've gone through that process before. And Josh would be one of those guys. Um, runs hard. He can play on all three downs, can do things out of the backfield. Uh, Certainly impacted this team in a lot of positive ways. We're going to work on his ball security. Uh, We've already had that conversation. Um, You know, it it hangs loose a little bit. But, uh, no, I'm excited about this. Uh, He's a good player, obviously, and and, uh, we're looking forward to working together.
2: So there you heard McDaniels there answering the question with – really a non answer. <laughs> What's the takeaway from that piece there? You know, I I'm not sure there is one other than the fact that they are committed to Jacobs this season. Listen, I think everyone understands that Jacobs can be a playmaker in this offense, but he can't he fit with what Ziegler and and McDaniel's are trying to build beyond this season. So that's that's what they're going to have to decide here. And if you heard Ziegler's comments uh, when he was asked about the fifth year options, he pretty much punted. On the topic, he said that he has a list of priorities. He's checking them off his list, and and the fifth-year options is a little bit lower on that list because it doesn't have to be uh, decided upon until uh, in May. I think May 2nd is the date that he, he mentioned. Now, the other notable comments we heard during the press conferences were in regards to Derek Carr and his looming contract extension that I do expect will occur sooner rather than later. Uh, there were some reports a couple weeks ago uh, with some potential figures being tossed around numbers that we saw in the $35 million to $40 million per season uh, range. But according to general manager uh, Dave Ziegler uh, and, and, and Josh McDaniels, those negotiations have not yet taken place despite what we've been reading online. Let's take a listen to Dave Ziegler's comments about Derek Carr and those contract negotiations.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Josh, I know Josh had that question. I saw the response. And and so, you know, know, that's the plan, right? Um, And, you know, it's been awesome getting to know Derek. Um, Just a really conscientious, good person that loves football. And you can feel that when you talk to him. So that's really exciting. And so, you know, like like we talked about it, we're still in that, you know, in that. and, And Derek mentioned it, too. You know, we're in that business,
2: you know, relationship phase where we're learning each other. And, you know, and. Um, just personalities and creating a relationship. And so we're still working through that process. And as we work through those process
1: processes, you know, those different things will come up. But um, right now we're just focused on building it.
2: Now, if you analyze the comments, we've heard the general manager speak now on two different occasions, his introductory press conference. And then uh, this week at the the combine, If, if you're analyzing these comments, it would seem that that Ziegler is, is much more, uh, non-committal. It, it, it's it's and it's possible that maybe I've missed some comments along the way here, but um, I, I have not yet heard him say with certainty 100%. Derek Carr will be the quarterback of this football team. Those words have not come out of his mouth. And you listen, I'm not trying to suggest that that is the case or that's how he feels but it's worth noting and and um you know it's it's interesting in comparison when you listen to McDaniel's talk who was much more open and willing to speak about Carr being a part of the future and and his his excitement to work with Carr. and you know so it's just something that i i have Noticed, and again, I'm not trying to really make anything of that, but you perhaps it's just the general manager uh, using some tactics. And you know, maybe this is part of the negotiation process, he doesn't want to completely show his hand. Um, but you know, it is something that I have noticed, and, and I do want to play some of those comments from you or for you from uh, Josh McDaniels when he was asked about uh, Derek Carr.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited, uh, I've really had an opportunity to meet him a number of times already. Um, he's there, he stays there with his family, Um, you know, faith, uh, family and football are are really important to him, you know, and and so look, he's been a leader of this franchise for a number of years, Um, I'm getting to know him as a person, I'll get to know him more as a player, um, more than what I've just been able to see on tape, uh, as we go into the spring, uh, and into the summer, but um, excited that, that we have a veteran leader on our football team that knows how to play the position. That's won a lot of big games. Um excited to see what we can do together.
2: All right. That was topic number two. And now for number three, I want to discuss the combine this week. It begins Thursday with the tight ends, quarterbacks and work uh, wide receivers working out Friday. We're going to see the offensive line and running backs. Saturday is the defensive linemen and linebackers. And the event wraps up on Sunday with the uh, defensive backs. Now, The position groups that you want to pay close attention to, we're going to start out with the wide receivers. There is a big-time need, once again, uh, for the Raiders at wide receiver. I want to see how some of these young guys run. I'm becoming more and more of a fan of Ohio State's Chris Olave. Um, He's commonly coming up in a lot of mock drafts. He's a polished route runner with speed. I want to see the number that he puts up in the 40-yard dash. As a whole, it's not a great wide receiver class, this year, but there are a couple guys who are expected to go in round one that we, you know you're going to want to keep a close eye on. And I went back real quick and dug up some numbers for you on the Raiders' offense last season. In the seven games they had Henry Ruggs, the offense averaged 25.7 points a game and 324 yards passing. Without Ruggs, they averaged 19.4 points and 253 yards um, through the air. So they they missed him dearly. And they need a replacement. I will also add, though, that uh, some of those games that they were without Rugs, they were also without uh, Darren Waller, so that also had an impact. But you know, for as good as head, uh, Hunter Renfro was picking up some of that slack, he needs some help. He needs a healthy Darren Waller, and he needs another uh, wide receiver one there on the outside with him. The other position group that you want to keep an eye on is the offensive linemen. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's holes on the offensive line, depending on where they want to play. Alex Leatherwood, you could have a need at right tackle. Um, you know, the guard position, when you look at the guard position, John Simpson, is he, is he the answer? He struggled at times last year. Denzel good coming off the ACL injury. Um, you know, so there's many question marks once again, along the offensive line. You're going to want to make sure you free up some time for yourself on Sunday when the defensive backs work out because there is a need at cornerback. I do not expect Casey Hayward to be back with the Raiders. Uh, He was a great one-year player for them, but he really excels in that Gus Bradley-style cover three defense, so don't be surprised to see him end up with Bradley and the Colts when he signs eventually in free agency. Uh, Beyond Trayvon Mullen, who has had some struggles uh, both with health and, and on the field, And Nate Hobbs, who do you feel good about right now uh, at cornerback for the Raiders? There's some talent in this year's draft, um, so you want to make sure you're keeping up with some of the prospects at cornerback. One note, I did see that the kid from Clemson, Andrew Booth uh, Jr., he's not going to be working out this weekend. He's dealing with some sort of injury, um, so he'll probably hold off into his pro day and Booth is the second-ranked cornerback on Dane Brugler's rankings of, of cornerbacks. You can also add an in interior defensive line to the list of needs, and depending on what happens here in free agency, the Raiders have three guys who are going to hit the market here, Darius Phylon, uh, Quentin Jefferson, and Solomon Thomas. So it's possible that all three of those guys could be gone, which leaves some some major holes. I really like the kid out of Georgia. Who doesn't? Devontae Wyatt uh, is more of a, a pass-rushing uh, more of a well-rounded uh, defensive tackle when you compare him with his teammate Jordan um, Davis, the monster guy's a mammoth of a man. But uh, I really like Wyatt and what he brings to the table is more of a versatile. Got that really quick, explosive first step, and he was a standout down in Mobile, uh, Mobile at the at the Senior Bowl. You could also throw in some linebacker depth, and you know you've got needs all over this roster, and, and it's going to be interesting to see now how the new leadership, how they do uh, decide to attack this roster. Dave uh, Ziegler said depth and competition, those are going to be two of the trademarks of, of of his team. All right, good start to the show. I'm going to step aside now for a moment and get my break out of the way. And when I return, we're going to chat with Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus from Indianapolis. You're listening to Just Pod Baby, brought to you by sportsnot.com.
0: Welcome back to Just Pod, baby.
1: Run down the field on them!
0: Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. (laughs) There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider.
2: All right, welcome back, Raider Nation. Just Pod, baby, segment number two. Uh, I am Evan Grote, and please go out there and give me a follow on Twitter if you don't already. Uh, that's at eGrote5, and please make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast. Uh, we're going to go right out to the phone lines now. I want to I want to bring in our guest. If you're one of those people out there who really loves the film breakdown, you, you know, you, you really like getting the analysis from those tape grinders out there, then you're going to love our next guest because he is one of the best out there doing it. Uh, let's say hello to Anthony Tresh, lead college football analyst at Pro Football Focus. Anthony, I know you're out there in Indianapolis. I really appreciate you squeezing us into your busy schedule. You did a great job for us last year when you came on, so I knew that I had to go out there and get you on again uh, for this season, and and I hope that you're doing well, my friend. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you know, let's jump right into it. The Combine has really, uh, in recent years, it's become this huge event. The TV networks uh, have moved it to prime time. Fans across the league love watching it. I'm one of them. I look forward to the event every year but there are some out there that are in the belief that the combine is nothing more than the spandex olympics i've heard it uh, referred to that <laughs> before in the past what's your opinion how much value is there in some of the drills uh, that we will see the prospects take part in this week
1: yeah i do think the combine as a whole offers value but i do think that the the whole meaning of it has kind of gotten away um in recent years with just the the move to prime time and you know, really emphasizing the drills. When in reality, the, the coaches and executives and scouts, what they value the most are these interviews that they get with the players—the face-to-face time—and also the the medical process. I mean, all 32 team doctors get you a know, hard look at these guys. I mean, it is a long and excruciating medical process. I've heard it multiple times, but it's a pretty significant one. So it's the medicals and the team interviews, team player interviews, is the most important part of the combine. Not so much the drills. I mean, those are great and everything. They can kind of be a, a way for you know teams to either verify what they already saw on film or if someone was vastly different for the better or worse, and it may take may them to cause them to go back to the tape and see if they missed something, right? And then, of course, we'll also have pro days as well um, to get another look at those that won't even down. So So there is some value in the drills, but the most important part is definitely the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and I do think just the you know, the media hype around it, not so much, you know, just with the making it on prime time and making it a big television event, I think that's kind of lost its, you know, cause the NFL kind of some of the teams and, you know, coaches to kind of step away from it and say, we don't really need this. Um, you know, if I want to go to attend these events and see some of the players and I do think that we may, end up taking we'll go to the protest so it's definitely interesting to see what happens and it's going to be interesting to see um you know where it ends up next year because for the first time and however many years they may move it out of indianapolis to either los angeles or dallas
2: yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right about that. And, and, you know, before we get into some specific names and guys that you think we should be keeping a tab on this week, um, I, I just kind of want to get a feel for uh, the entire draft class as a whole. You know, I keep hearing it. Uh, it seems like the general consensus from a lot of the experts out there is that this class isn't real sexy, you know, as we've seen in, in past years, particularly at quarterback. Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on the class as a whole and, and where are some of the strengths and, and some of the weaknesses in this year's class?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not a strong draft class. You know, that's not to say that there isn't, a you know, elite talent in this group, because there certainly is. You know, a lot of guys that I think are top-ten players, I think would have been top-ten players last year, too. But, you know, it is a weaker class just in general. And then when you mix in the, the whole uncertainty at quarterback, I think that just kind of it is a big turnoff, like you said. um, and, you know, and that's exactly that. You know, there is no, you know, surefire quarterback. And, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to Carson Strong's interview today. Um, and you know, he was talking, they're asking him about what he thought about everybody thinking and saying that this quarterback class is weak. Um, it's not very strong. And he said that, I, I think it's just because, um, you know, there's not that Trevor Lawrence that everyone's had their eye on, you know, right, right from the get go. Um, you know, all of these guys, you know, kind of either popped up on the radar, um, this past season, like Kenny Pickett, um, uh, you know, like Mike, Mike Malik Willis to a certain extent. Um, you know, or they just kind of took a little bit step back from what they once were um, in a severe way, like Sam Howell. Um, you could say Matt Corral, because he did have, you know, that second half of the season wasn't very good, and, you know, you could attribute um, his injury to that. So, you know, it is kind of – that's the big reason why. Um, but, you know, even taking quarterbacks out of the equation and stacking up just nine quarterbacks, it is a little bit of a weaker class. But, again, not to say that there isn't, you know, top-tier elite talent that will be, you know, those continuous pro and all-pro players.
2: Anthony Trush, lead college uh, football analyst at, at Pro Football Focus, joins us from the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis this week. Kind enough to give us some of his time uh, here on Just Pod Baby. Anthony, let, let's get into some some specific uh, names now. The Raiders have a bunch of holes in their roster that they're going to have to address uh, either through free agency or the draft. I want to go through a couple of those positions with you now, and you can let us know a couple of the names uh, that we should be paying close attention to, not only this week at the combine, but throughout this Uh, coming weeks here, this draft process. Let's start with uh, the tackle position, uh, particularly, uh, I'm going to point out right tackle. Uh, the Raiders used their first-round pick on Alex Leatherwood last season, and he struggled badly early on in the season. He was, he was then moved inside to guard. It didn't get a whole lot better there. Uh, but assuming this new coaching staff um, with, with uh, Josh McDaniels decides to keep him inside at guard, who are some of the prospects that you think uh, could be targets in the early rounds of the draft that the Raider fans uh, should, should keep an eye on at, at the combine?
1: Yeah, I mean, tackle is one of those positions that I would say has pretty good value compared to other years. You know, I've seen, I've heard from a lot of people that this is, you know, a little bit of a strength of this uh, draft class. And, you know, you look at, you know, some of the needs and, you know, tackle's a big one across the board. And, you know, one name in particular that kind of stands out that I think is going to be a back half of the first round guy. But I do think that some team will get him for some value because we here at PFF think he's a middle of the first round type of guy. Horton Ryman from Central Michigan. Um, you know, what he did this past year was nothing short of exceptional. Um, you know, after just a couple of years ago, he had, uh, playing tight end, um, he actually had a 94.6 PFF grade. And, you know, I know he played at the group of five level in a really bad conference, but doing that is extremely tough to do. It was one of the highest marks we've ever seen. Um, you know, he has the tools there. Um, and, and I think he's going to be a first round pick. And, you know, I think he's going to end up there somewhere in the 20s. Um, if not, one of the final picks of the first round. So that's a name I would keep an eye on. You know, he's capable of playing at his spot there. Um, along the offensive line, you know, Trevor Pinning, I think is a lot of people's kind of darling at tackle in this class. Um, you know, he, he was another tough performer he except at the SES level from Northern Iowa. Um, you know, big dude there at six foot seven. Um, I mean, he has, I mean, you know, we hear the word nasty kind of thrown around a lot, um, when describing types of, types of players, but you know, he's one of the nastiest of them all, right? You know, I would say Hickey, Uquanu, Tyler Smith, of Tulsan, Trevor Pinning, those guys it's quite clear those guys want to put some defenders on the ground every single rap and it's almost to a fault for Trevor Penning. Uh, I, and that's why I think, you know, I, I'm not so much sold as him as a first-round guy, um, but I think teams will end up taking him in the first round. Um, you know, he had 16 penalties this past year. I mean, that's just that just can't happen. Um, and, you know, so you saw the aggression at the senior bowl, and sometimes it got a little chippy and a little too carried away. Um, and, you know, so it's a pro and a con, and it's right, but, and, you know, he is an interesting prospect, and I, I do think that he does have a pretty high ceiling. So I think he's another name to look at at, you know, the end of the first round of
2: tackling. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the Raiders' offense struggled really badly to score points and, and move the ball through the air when they lost uh, wide out Henry Ruggs. So I think getting a young wide receiver one uh, through the draft should be a top priority. Who, who are some of the wide receivers that you like on tape and, and you think should test well in, in Indy?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely five, I think, clear cut first round guys. And I think there's a handful that, you know, you really could make an argument to be a first round pick. But with where the Raiders are right now, um, you know, they're going to be in a chance to get one of those clear cut five first round guys. And that's, you know, Drake London from USC, um, you know, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, Jamison Williams from Alabama, Jalen Burch from Arkansas. And I think the one player that really stands out to me, that I think, would fit really well with the Las Vegas Raiders is Jamison Williams. Um, you know, he's. Spoke today, talking about his recovery process, and you know he just he took the brace off a couple of weeks ago. Um, he should be a full go by training camp. He's ahead of schedule, um, which is very encouraging. And he, I mean, he has you know if he could test, he would be one of the fastest players here. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he has that big play ability. Um, you know, he is you know what I think the, he was the most dangerous pass catcher in college football this past year. Had 12 touchdowns of 20 or more yards, which is the most in college football. Um, you know, I think that would be a great fit there as well. One player that I think yeah, it might be, end up being a little bit too early, um, you know, for him to go here, but I still think I wouldn't think it's a reach. I think he belongs in this area. Chris Olave is interesting, specifically with the Raiders. And he said today, you know, he would love to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, members of his family are big fans of the Raiders and he would, he would love to go to Las Vegas. Um, and, and I think he'd be a good fit there, right? I mean, he was one of the top team threats in college football over the last few years with CJ Stroud. Um, and Justin Fields throwing on the ball. I mean, he has than enough speed to be a deep threat. and he is, I think, one of the best route runners. You know, we've seen over the last few years separation rates above the 90th percentile. Um, you know, I, I think he would be a good fit with the Raiders. So I, I think in particular with the Raiders, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, those are the best fits. Um, and, and, you know, I think Traylon Burks, of course, you, he, you can't ignore that skill set, right? I mean, he could fit anywhere. Uh, I have just a little bit less confidence in him than those other two guys, and I do think Garrett Wilson and Drake London will be already off the board by the time the Raiders are picking. But if they're on the board, they're definitely a top options there.
2: You know, Anthony, when we when we spoke last year. Um, I, I recall you, you, you talked about uh, the cornerback position, and you felt uh, at that time during the interview, you said it's the most important position on the defense. And, and, and in 2020, the Raiders uh, missed badly uh, drafting Damon Arnett. And, and you know this year, Casey Hayward is, is now a free agent. So there is, again, a need for another cornerback uh, on this roster to play opposite of Trayvon Mullen. That is if Mullen can stay healthy. But what are you seeing from the crop of cornerbacks uh, this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, the cornerback position, and I, I think Las Vegas is in an interesting boat there. Um, it, because last year, I thought they made really good strides there. I mean, it wasn't perfect, um, but they did make strides, get some veterans in there. Um, but that was kind of all torn part because, you know, they're free agents and now you're changing your scheme. And Casey Hayward Jr., the top player of the group, he can't really fit in anything other than Gus Bradley's cover three defense. And that's going to be a little bit different now. Um, and, and so this year, with this group of cornerbacks, uh, and at least in the NFL draft. I mean, there is just, I think, Yeah, I remember last year, um, I was. I think it was draft week, and I was doing a, um, a serious show with a lead draft analyst Mike Renner, and um, I remember just sitting, sitting there, I was like, can we talk about next year's quarterback class already? Because I think it's one of the best I've ever seen. And I really do think that. It, it is insanely talented, um, even at the top. And I, I haven't really understood why some of the top guys, like, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. would be sliding. I think he's a top five pick. I think soft Gardner and Trent McDuffie are top 10 picks. Now, I think I'm a little bit higher on all of those guys in the consensus, just just by a little bit. I still think they'll all go in the top 15, but there's a chance one could slide there. And, you know, I, I think you can't go wrong with any of them. But as far as some of the guys that might be available there, and you get some players that I think are a little bit interesting, like Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. I think he's one. The scoring should take a little bit of time to develop at the NFL level. Um, you know, he was pretty consistent this past year, but he is very fluid. I mean, he has the physical tools. I mean, he has some, I, th- I think, probably the, the most, you know, best highlight reel tapes and interceptions that I've seen, you know, making plays on the ball um, over the last few years, you know, whether it's in practice or, you know, in the game itself. Um, I, I think he's an end of the first round type of guy um you know Kyler elam from florida i mean he got to the point cornerback or opposing quarterbacks did not want to throw his way i mean he that's what he did you know he was so good through the first start of his career and then he just continuously got better the pinch just completely started ignoring him um and you know he's a good press corner i don't think he's you know i think the scheme limitations are kind of present there i'm not too concerned about it but i'm not as confident in him playing in any scheme as i am you us say Derek Stingley, right um, and so I do think, like I said, this cornerback class is um, one of the best that I've seen um, as of late, especially at the very tip top. Um, and, you know, like you said, you know, when uh, asking a question, like, this is one of the most important positions on the field. I mean, you've got to hit home runs here. I mean, even when you only have one quality guy that can get picked apart from time to time. I and mean, we saw it with um, Brandon Faxson. They're down the stretch there. I remember doing some stuff. Um, for, for a Sunday night football game against the Chargers there at the end and that end of the game, Justin Herbert, and it was quite clear that their game plan was just to target that weak spot. And if you have one weak spot, then you're kind of exposed right there. So you really need guys at all three positions. Um, you know, the slot, I think that like they have a promising person, um, there with Nate Haas, but it's a different scheme now. And I think that's going to be tough on them to kind of replicate that success from year one to year two, not to even mention that the volatility of the position as a whole. So. You know, I think that's just something to keep in mind, and I think it's going to be a very big area of emphasis for um, Las Vegas here and, You in know, this offseason. It really should be because they can't really afford to go back to where they were prior to last year, which was good, but it still was nowhere near great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're 100% right there about uh, Brandon Faison. Uh, we're speaking with uh, Anthony Tresh, pro football focus, uh, lead football college football analyst. Uh, he's joining us from Indianapolis, the NFL scouting combine. Uh, just got a couple more quick ones for you here, Anthony. One of the defensive linemen that I'm really intrigued with is Jordan Davis. He's a massive human, uh, and I do think he will be in play for the Raiders at 22 because, uh, you know, when you look at the Raiders' list of free agents, uh, they do have a couple defensive linemen that they could lose. Uh, but do you have any concerns with his conditioning and the fact that he only played 25 snaps a game this past season? What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I do think it's a big thing, and that's why, you know, when they're doing the College Triple Awards at the end of the season, I was. You know, very um, publicly advocating for him not to really be in that top tier consideration. Now, Jordan Davis is a great player, right? He makes some unreal run stops. The way he can control the line of scrimmage in the run game is astonishing stuff. I mean, he bullies big, the other big human beings, make him look small. Um, But in the pass rush, it's just not there, right? The down to down, you know, he does get gassed pretty easily. We saw that in the SEC title game against Alabama, and that's why he can't be on the field a lot. But Alabama. One, to keep him on the field, because they knew the longer they kept him on the field, the better they were offensively. Um, and, and so I think that's a little bit of a concern. Now, you know, run defenders are valuable at the next level. They, they do generate value more than we thought, you know, doing some recent data studies over the last few years. Some of the R&D um, guys here at PFF, you know, looking at that, they do generate more value than we initially thought, you know, specifically for those two high defenses, right? That can just they have that big run the center in the middle, they could stop the run effectively. It really helps, you know, that too high structure. And so Jordan Davis can generate some value in that regard. But I do have concerns with what he can do in the long-term value that he can generate. You know, I do think that I wouldn't take a, a you know, big swing of the bat on him too, really. Um, but that's not to say he won't be a good NFL player. I just think he's going to be a limited one, and he's not going to be, you know, a, a in every down dominant one.
2: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, a fair assessment there. Uh, all right, before I let you run, I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot with this one. Um, I'm gonna, I want you to put your general manager hat on here. You're gonna be Dave Ziegler uh, for a moment. You're making the pick for the Raiders at at 22. Who are you taking?
1: I'm going wide receiver. Um, you know, I think that's the best interest for them. And for the NC. I would attack cornerback pretty hard, um, and then I would go wide receiver. And if it's not Jamison Williams, and I'm going Chris Olave and you know, like I said a little bit ago, I think, you know, the consensus is that might be a little bit too early for Olave, but for me, I think he's going to be a fantastic NFL receiver. I mean, he can get open and catch the ball. That's what you need from a wide receiver. He can do it. And Jamison Williams, of course, that big playability that they were missing through the second half of the season, like you were saying. So I'm definitely going wide receiver, attack cornerback hard in free agency.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Certainly a need at wide receiver, and I think Raider Nation would be pretty happy with Chris Alave. Uh, Anthony, I appreciate you joining the show. Hopefully we can get you on again sometime down the road. And and be sure to go out there and follow Anthony on Twitter. That's at PFF underscore Anthony. Uh, Thank you for the time, and enjoy your week out in Indy.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on.
2: Okay, so some good analysis there. Uh, from Anthony Trash, he thinks wide receiver should be the pick for the Raiders at, at at 22. And I don't think you'd hear too many Raider fans complaining about that should one of these top wide receivers fall to them uh, with that pick. Uh, and I will remind you that last year when I had Anthony on the show, he had the Raiders selecting Trayvon Marig in round one, which we know he fell to the Raiders in round two. So he, he seems to do a pretty good job of uh, evaluating where some of these guys may may go. All right, everybody, that does it for the show this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Until we chat again, make sure you enjoy the Combine and have a great weekend, everyone. I am Evan Grote, and as always, just win, baby.